Good Wednesday. It's good to see you. We're going to finish up 1 Corinthians on this trip and get a little bit into 2 Corinthians. And that'll be another interesting, <laughs> a lot of issues that Paul has with Corinth and Corinth has with Paul. You'll see that here in chapter 16. He goes in this very first bit about the collection for the saints. There must have been some kind of question about this. And if you remember in the first century, there were a lot of questions about this because the Jews had a very good social security safety net for their people. It certainly wasn't perfect. There were a lot of holes in it, but they were to tithe of their, their money, but also of their goods and their harvest and, and other things, and then bring that at a particular time to the temple. And that was stored there. And, um, and again, this is the way it was supposed to work. We're not really sure how it was working at this stage, but it was working at some level that Jewish widows are being cared for, Jew Jewish orphans are being cared for. Uh, <clears throat> now that more and more Gentiles are coming into the church, you know, where's the money to take care of them? And that's always an issue when you bring in, whether you're bringing in refugees uh, from war-ravaged nations, <clears throat> whether you're helping with uh, storm survivors, we always have to ask, all right, where's the money and what can, how much can we do here? And so there was a, a question about, well, then if we're not Jews meeting at the temple and yet we have a lot of Jewish members and we're Gentiles coming in without that being banked ahead of time, how do we care for the people we get? And Paul gives just a very vague, open thing here. Uh, and many churches have turned it into an official act of worship that must be done on a Sunday morning. There's no authority for that. Have a look. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. And then when I arrive, I'll give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. Now, did you notice a couple of things? <clears throat> One of the things that isn't there, he didn't tell us that this is a law for all churches. Although it seems to be something which he's used to, to advising churches about because he'd done it to the Galatian churches and now he's doing it here to Corinth. But there's also something else missing here. They're not bringing it to a central place in Corinth to give to the Corinth church. They're saving it at by themselves, not in a gathered treasury, uh, treasury so that when Paul comes, they can hand it directly to him and he will then hand it out to the men they recommend and give them letters of introduction so that they can take that money and introduce themselves to the church in Jerusalem and hand that money in. This is never brought up. All my life, I heard the men, and it was always men in our church, whenever we would transition to giving, and generally it was right after the Lord's Supper, and they wanted to make sure you understood that it was a separate act of worship. So they would always say, separate and apart from the Lord's Supper. Uh, now we come into giving, and somebody would read upon the first day of the week, everybody should, you know, should lay by in store as they have prospered in the older versions. 
And so as the plate was passed, we were obeying a direct command from God to, uh, to give, except that's not what it says. Now, do I believe that you should give? Yes. Do I believe that you should tithe? I think that's a good starting place. I don't think God ever required Christians to tithe at all times and all places. Some people can barely feed their family, if that. Some people are overwhelmed with debt and while they're digging their way out of that, you know, you're not prospering, really. I do tithe, Miss Cammie and I do tithe to our Safe Harbor Church. We love it. We love what the church is doing, how it's now in 13 countries. And by the way, in December, we plan to have a birthday for the church and we hope that you tune in or you can be at the soundstage. And I plan to give a state of the state uh, talk about, all right, here's where we are. Here's what's going on. Here's the, here's the money, the membership, what we know about where we've been in one year. It, it, I'll just, no spoiler alert, but it, it is just phenomenal you, what you have done. That's it, back to here. We do have to confess some ignorance here. Um, we think the money was being sent to Jerusalem because they were being persecuted and they were falling on hard times. We don't believe it was sent there as a central treasury for all churches, but that cannot be ruled out. We don't know enough to rule that out. What we do know is that this wasn't a passing of the plate. This was a, you set it aside and put it in a separate place so that when an emergency comes, it's there. And that's what a lot of you did for us last year, Miss Cammie and I, and others who are dispossessed. And since then you have fed us, you put food on our table. You've allowed us to stay in our home, which we thought we were going to lose. And in fact, uh, the day it all came down, we were putting things up for sale, guitars, furniture, anything we had. And you stepped in and you made sure that didn't happen because you took some of the funds that you earned through very hard work and sacrifice. And you set that aside for us and you sent it in. And there was a central gathering point. Uh, it is now, I don't touch the money, except uh, I do pull the checks, by the way, out of the post office box, and I deposit them into the bank. Most of our giving, I think, I think, still comes in via Tithely or PayPal. And so I don't even see that. But I, that's the only time I touch the money. Uh, and then they pay me a salary, which means you pay me a salary. And, and again, you make possible the soundstage, you make possible, although it's being donated to us, there are costs involved in getting the equipment, the streaming, the microphones and that sort of thing. You made all that possible. You've made it possible for our outreach into the Louisiana State Penitentiary. Um, you've made our outreach to Mali and other Muslim countries, Malaysia, Jordan, you've made all that possible. So you are obeying this. And one of the neat things about this is, he says that there'll be no gatherings when I come. All of us have been at churches where something happened. A roof went, an air conditioner went, or we had a sick missionary and we needed money quick. And so they would come out with a capital campaign or they would come out with a special plea, a special Sunday. We've got to hit this mark on this Sunday. I don't, I don't think any of those are, are sinful but they're absolutely not like this. This is more what you've been laying aside 
we're going to need for this. And if you agreed that that was the appropriate use of those funds, you would bring your funds in and hand it to them. And so, you know, not to pick nits forever. This is not the way we have used it. And it's talking about some things which those of us who grew up in churches that had no central organization, and we called ourselves autonomous, this seems concerning that he's giving directions to a church he doesn't attend and telling them to save money in their homes so that when he comes, people that they choose that are trustworthy will get a letter, uh, get the funds, and then take it to another church. That all seems a little odd to us, but it worked and it's biblical and Paul has done it more than once. Goes further, a little threat in, in, in verse five. He goes, after I go through Macedonia, I will come to you for I will be going through Macedonia. It's one of these things you can be really brave. It's like the keyboard commandos that, that spew out hate and sarcasm in the comment section of every place on the internet. They are, uh, you know, may, they may be in their pajamas in their mama's basement, but on the keyboard and on the internet, they're a very big deal and they're going to own you and they're going, you know, that's, that's their phrasing. You know, they're gonna absolutely destroy you. And by the way, anytime you see a link that says this person owns the libs, or this person destroys the far right, don't click on it, it just encourages them. And had it owned and had it destroyed, then we still wouldn't have the arguments tomorrow, would we? Because they'd been owned and destroyed. Don't fall for it, don't be a part of it. But these very brave keyboard commanders and commandos, um, although with parchment, and they, it's very brave for them to really attack Paul, but he's making it plain, I'm coming. I'm gonna come and look at you and we're gonna be meeting. And he goes, maybe I can stay for a while, even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. In other words, I may stay around so that you are able to then hand me funds so I can go on to the next mission. It is absolutely biblical repeatedly to set aside money for ministers, missionaries, for those that make their, uh, their livelihood the spreading of the gospel of Christ. And again, you are doing that and I am ever so grateful. Um, he goes, I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work is open to me and there are many who oppose me. <laughs> That's just, he, he, there's an insight into Paul. I'm going to Ephesus because there's a really great opportunity there and because there are a lot of people there that oppose me. I'm going there. I have um, received many of similar to this emails or text or conversations through the years. And that is, how do you put up with the hate, again, of these keyboard commandos or some that phone and some that barge in and, and demand this, that, and the other. And the response is, you know, it's just what we do. It's, it's not that big a deal to me. I love the people that oppose me. I don't go to destroy or own them. In fact, I've been on social media for over 10 years. You can go back through. I've, I've posted some stupid stuff, but I don't attack people. Uh, and if I have, I generally, immediately, when I realize it immediately, I don't always pull it off. I'll say, no, no, here's what I did wrong. But that's rare because I just, 
when was the last time I ever went on your timeline and told you you were wrong? You see? But there are people that oppose Paul, so he says, I think that's a good opportunity. Let's go. And he goes, when Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear while he's with you. Do not treat him with contempt. There's another warning. Timothy's coming. He's my son. You'd better treat him right. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. But he'll, he'll, he'll be there. And then about Apollos, he says, I really tried to get Apollos to come to you, but he's just turned me down. Uh, he, he'll go later when he has an opportunity. So not everybody was falling into line with Paul, and I think that's very important. We consider Apollos to be a very faithful man of God, and yet Paul couldn't give him orders that he had to obey. So while Paul was a great man of the church, during his lifetime, he was not looked upon as the guy that replaced Jesus and could give people's orders. So churches need to spend a lot more time with Jesus and then understand who Paul is as they read Paul. He's not Jesus's replacement. He's not the lawgiver that Jesus wasn't. He's not the new Moses. So Apollos, he says, I, I really tried to get him. And Apollos goes, no, not so much, not now. I'll, I may go later. So he ends up, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Now, did Paul do everything in love? Well, no, we've already read a couple of books where he got really harsh, like in the Galatian letter. Um, but Paul is very open about his sinfulness and about his failures. Read Romans 7, for goodness sake. He's saying, this is what we're called to. Let's do this. Be strong and firm and courageous, but do it all in love. Uh, he talks about, again, this um, uh, the people that he left behind and saying, listen, submit to them uh, and, and join their work and labor at it. And again, it's not a spiritual submission as you believe what they believe and you do what they tell you. It's more of listen to them. They're out of good work. Why don't you just do that work with them? And he says, I'm very, very glad. And, and he, he says, they all send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church that meets at their house. Hey, our safe harbor people, in your house, you are, what we're doing here actually has a lot more in common with the first century church than most building churches. And I love building churches and they're not sinning. That's not my point. My point is in the, the first few hundred years of the church and for much of the years after, you didn't have a central place to go. Uh, and if there was one, it wasn't necessarily for you uh, because you may not have been in the correct class to go or it may not have been safe to go because the history of Europe, which is mainly where Christianity was for the longest time, is, is just a, a, a charnel house of of war and, and rape and murder. And so people were waiting for the priest to come by or a monk to come by or a traveling preacher to come by. And they, they worshiped and obeyed God the best they could in their house as they worked their fields along the way, very Deuteronomy 6, as they stand up, as they sit down, as they walk out, that's um, our safe harbor is in that pattern to where, let's say we have 
as I believe we have, uh, about 10 or so that meet in Spokane, Washington together. I don't tell them what to believe. I don't tell them what to give, but we do ask that people give. If it's to a local church that leads and feeds you, that's highly appropriate. If it's to us, we love it, thank you. If it's to a local charity, highly appropriate. But giving is an act of worship. We are called to give, but 1 Corinthians 16 doesn't say to do it the way we act like it says we have to do it. All right, by the way, Aquila and Priscilla, this will be one of the only times you see that formulation. Priscilla then becomes the dominant teacher of the two and almost from then on, will be, they'll be called Priscilla and Aquila and name order was a huge thing back in this time. So it makes an indication of, of who was the, the greater teacher and the more highly esteemed of the two. Let us move to 2 Corinthians because we are doing the books in order and guess what? This one um, is written very shortly after 1 Corinthians. Again, quick primer, what we have are really almost certainly 2nd and 4th Corinthians. So we, we don't have the other two letters. We don't need them evidently or God would have preserved. And I believe that. Whenever you realize this, and then you realize how quickly 2nd Corinthians, really 4th Corinthians, was written, it means that when Paul sent to them what we call 1st Corinthians, there was not a good response and their letter back prompted an immediate writing of this one. So we are actually in a text war, first century style, very slow motion style. Paul, right off the bat, an apostle. You see, that's gonna be an issue. Lot in Corinth were now saying, well, we don't even think he's an apostle. An apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to, our, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray, and then it's traditional to start with a praise, and they do praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the Father of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Just very quickly, um, I ran a counseling practice for about eight years, I think it was. Uh, it was out of necessity, long story, but I, I ran it. And one of my goals, that I, and I would tell the people, I was very upfront, I want to turn you from client to colleague. I want to move you from where you are to where you can help others who are where you are. And that's what Paul says here. We have been comforted, we've been gifted by God with all these great things, not so that we can remain in a perpetual victim state, but so that we can in turn comfort others with the same comfort that comforted us. Therefore, it is not appropriate for Christians to live in self-pity or as perpetual victims, we, we rise above. Even while we're being victimized, we rise above. And I'm aware that that's easier for me to say than it is for, let's say, a 14-year-old girl in Afghanistan right now. 
and it's easier for me to say this than it would be for an African-American child being born in a slum somewhere in, in one of our major cities. Their road's going to be immeasurably harder than mine. And they're going to face immeasurably more pain than me. But we are all called to rise above our private hell and to take the comfort that was given to us, even if it seems meager at the time, and comfort others. I have seen the greatest acts of generosity in my life were from people who had almost nothing, but they shared it. Take a trip, take a trip through Africa, take a trip through South America, take a trip through Southeast Asia and go only to the poorest regions. They will open up and give you everything they've got. They're suffering more, but the comfort they've got, they share. Uh, I follow a guy on uh, YouTube called Drew Bensky. He's a nice young Jewish man who has now visited all nations, all 197, I think. And on his videos on YouTube, uh, time after time after time, he's in the poorest area and they, they rush to bring him in and feed him. And this is in Muslim countries as well, even though he's Jewish. It is astounding. That's the pattern God wants for us. Whatever you've got, open it up. Whatever treasure house that God has poured into, open that and share. Because just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds in Christ. So he is not, as we used to say, poo-pooing or uh, minimalizing people's pain. And I hope I'm not coming across as minimalizing their pain. If I am, send me an email, patrick at rsafeharbor.com, so that I can correct and apologize, all right? If we're distressed, he's talking about Paul and Timothy. If we are distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Again, so easy to read and just rush here, and I don't wanna rush, although we do wanna get through this chapter. And, and we will, it won't take too long, I, I don't think. Every one of our comforts came at a cost to somebody else. Now that's not always true, but it's a general truth. For example, um, one of my comforts is reading, but somebody else did all that research and wrote the books. Somebody else had that great imagination and wrote that story. And someone else taught me to read, which I am sure was not entirely comfortable. Someone else worked so that I could have lunch at school. Someone else worked so that I could have shoes. And sometimes that's our parents and sometimes it's not, but there was a cost to somebody they, they lost something so that I could have things. And that's very true about the roads. I drove here on very nice roads today. Not all of our roads are nice, but most of them are in good repair and they are well regu regulated and they have stripes on them and there are police officers to maintain control. All of that had suffering entailed. Have you ever been around the asphalt on a hot day, pouring it? I haven't, I've just seen it done. Oof, somebody else suffered and we get comfort. And so we ought to thank God for every comfort because it did come from somewhere. 
all right? And that's what Paul's saying. Your comfort you're feeling right now, Corinth, that came out of the suffering of people like me, Paul, and Timothy, all right? Our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. Notice that even though this letter is going to get a little harder, he starts by acknowledging them as brothers and sisters in Christ, showing them respect and wishing openly. And I know some people don't like the word wishing. It's perfectly appropriate word. And yes, he's praying as well. He really wants Corinth to know he knows that the same God that saves him is saving them. And the same God that comforts him is comforting them. And that while he is suffering, they are suffering. It may not look the same. It may not feel the same, but they are suffering. Everybody you meet is having a bad day. Everybody. Treat them accordingly. Be gentle. Well, because <clears throat> I don't want you to be informed, uh, uninformed about the troubles we had. Uh, by the way, the old King James, uh, we don't want you uh, to be ignorant, brethren, or we don't want you ignorant, brethren. That's the way it was phrased. And I always thought that one comma changed everything. We don't want you ignorant, brethren. Or, we don't want you ignorant, brethren. NIV phrases it better here. So does almost every other translation. Uh, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We're under great pressure, far above our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we've, we felt we'd received the sentence of death. Paul may have died once when he was stoned and left for dead, and he talks about a resurrection experience. We'll get to that. Um, but he certainly had a body that was just torn up with scars from rocks, beatings, hunger, uh, exposure to the elements, uh, shipwrecked at sea. I mean, this guy, if, if he was 50, I'm sure he looked 90 and a hard 90. But he said it happened, you know, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who even raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he'll deliver us again. Does that mean that Paul thinks that God will always save his life? No, deliverance doesn't have to be on site. Deliverance can be in the next world. And he says, on him we've set our hope. So help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Uh, I am carried by the prayers of thousands. And that truly humbles me. I'm not a great prayer. I do a, probably 400 breath prayers a day. In other words, just one sentence, one line. And I've been around such um, masters of prayer in my time that I know where my skill level lies. But I also know that every morning and every night and every action I'm doing, I'm being covered by your prayers, and that humbles me and touches me so much I don't have words. I just don't have words, so thank you. Then Paul has to change some plans. He goes, our conscience testifies that we've conducted ourselves in the world, and especially in our relations with you with integrity and godly sincerity. In other words, now you need to understand something. I'm coming back at you, but I'm coming back to you convinced by God that I treated you with integrity, honestly, honesty, and I have never, never said something or done something just to hurt you. He's starting to gird his loins, as we say, put the sleeves up, 
um, we don't, we're not relying on worldly wisdom, but on God's grace. I always love that, that it's a parallelism that isn't quite parallel. We don't rely on worldly wisdom. We, we rely upon God's wisdom. That's where you would expect it to go. But no, we don't rely on worldly wisdom. We rely upon God's grace. So even while he's rolling up the sleeves, he's saying, I need grace, you need grace. Let's understand we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're equal in comfort and some suffering in our own ways, but we have some issues and we're gonna work them out, understanding that God's grace has to be factored into every sentence between us. That would really change the argument, wouldn't it? It really would. So, because I'm not gonna write you anything that you cannot Un, uh, that you cannot understand you, and I hope that as you've understood us in part you see again they're coming back at him so he's saying I don't think you're getting it I hope that as you understood in part you'll come to understand more fully and that one day I'll be able to boast about you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I think we've drawn some pretty clear lines here and we have some expectations he says, because I, this was confident, uh, of my confidence, I tried to visit you twice. I, so in other words, what he wanted to do in 1 Corinthians 16 didn't end up happening. Uh, he was, I see, I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia and then to have you send me on my way to Judea. Exactly. So, so was I fickle when I intended to do this? Do I make my plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath, I say both yes, yes, and no, no? Um, in other words, people in Corinth had said, see, he said he's coming, but he's avoided us. He's a coward. He said he'd come to us and then he'd come back to us and he's never been. What a coward, he's a liar, he's a coward. People do that without understanding things happen people can forget. Twice in my life, I have forgotten how to spoke, speaking an engagement. I can remember once being up in Rochester Hills, Michigan, it's north of Detroit, getting a call from a facility in Ohio saying, you're on in an hour, are you in the building? I had, I had the date down correctly, but I'd written it on the wrong page. Entirely me. I did it with a, a, a beautiful little church in West Tennessee where they wanted me to come and speak on a Wednesday night. And I was so happy to do so. Then went through one of those weeks where I felt like, well, it's been the last two weeks, but when you watch this, that'll be a month back. Uh, it felt like God had put me in a tumble dryer and, and, and put a lot of dimes in because it, it was a couple of hard weeks there. And I forgot. There was just no other excuse. Well, that's not an excuse. I just forgot. And they were so gracious on both sides. They were very, very, and they didn't have to be, but they were very gracious about it. They didn't say, well, you coward, you liar, you promised. They didn't do that. <clears throat> but something in the spirit of the people in Corinth had done that to Paul. He says, as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. In other words, maybe then maybe I don't know <clears throat> or saying yes I'll come <laughs> no that's not it 
He says, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is preached among you by us. Remember, who taught you? By me and Silas and Timothy was not yes and no, but in him it's always been yes. In other words, certainty, comfort comes from this. So, those of you that believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, those of you who try to live a moral, ethical life the best you can, and nobody does the best they can, but you understand the, the, the idiom, correct? You, uh, you never intentionally rebel against God, and when you find yourself in a position of rebellion, you repent. You tell them you're sorry, and you ask for help to do better. Those people like this, and especially those who have been baptized into Christ, you're saved. Take comfort in this. It is certain. Jesus is not yes and no. It, it, with him, Paul said, it is always yes. On a day of judgment, we don't know a lot about what's going on, but if we understand correctly from the bits and pieces, at some point, God, now whether this is a metaphor, a symbol, or an actual event, people can argue, I won't. God at some point is going to ask if the name's written in the book of life, and then he's gonna look at Jesus and say, do you know them? Now, as I was a boy, I always thought that was, that was a strange redundancy. Why would you ask Jesus if they know them, if their name's written in a book of life? Would you just imagine with me and just play around with me for a moment? I think there are gonna be some people who they didn't know about Jesus, or they followed the wrong crowd and thought they were celebrating Jesus when they were actually feeding a cult or something. I, I don't know. And it's possible that when you look in the book of life, their name's not there. And God looks at Jesus and says, do you know them? Paul says, with Jesus, the answer is always yes. I'm gonna sit on that for a while. Well, think about that for a while. And the thing is, as soon as I say that, screams erupt in people's heads going, but what about, but what about? I, I would say to you, what about them? What is it to you what Jesus does for them? I think you should celebrate the yeses because that means you're going to get one. Instead of being upset, somebody else might get it too. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. So through him, the amen is spoken. The word amen is not a holy word. It just means the yes, yea verily, absolutely, I agree. Deal done, all right? It's spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. Please notice the verbs used here. It doesn't say who makes us stand and can make you stand. He doesn't say who makes us stand and if you know, it's possible you're standing. Even in the middle of this heated argument and the dumpster fire that got a train wrecked into it that is Corinth, he continually assures them, you are saved. So what's the point of these letters? It's very simple. 
act like it. Act like the saved people you are. Not like you're acting. And he's not saying, or you won't be saved. He Can he make it any plainer that they are? But just act saved. Well, now it is God who makes both of us stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, past tense, set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is come, what is to come. Wow. And that's where I'm going to stop. Oh, I know there are another two verses in that chapter, but there shouldn't be. The chapter break should be right there because he's finished that thought. Now he's going to go on to another thought. And I do not know why the, the guy that divided these into chapters several hundred years ago decided to put the dot there. But we're going to hold off and we'll start with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23 next Wednesday, Lord willing. As you've already heard a couple times, I do pre-record these sometimes a month, six months in advance. Um, it, it does require a lot of study and time looking at a, a, a green dot on my phone or on my computer. The reason we do that is very simple. That allows me to travel and not have to pull into a rest area every Wednesday morning or every Monday morning or this way they're ready to roll and our creative director the incredibly talented Kirsten makes sure that they are posted at the right time. It also gives us some breathing room. Should I become ill? I am vaccinated against COVID, but I can still get COVID. That breakthrough, those breakthroughs do occur. Likely will not be anything serious for me, but what if it knocks me out for a week or so? The recordings continue. The worship continues. We don't pre-record the worship that far often, but I generally have a sermon or two in the can, ready to roll. Plus we have some amazing men and women who are, would be happy to jump in and preach for me. Um, so that's what it's there for. God bless you. I hope you have an amazing week. Please tune in uh, to Our Safe Harbor. If you can't tune in live, we get that. Many of you have other churches that are brilliant churches and you join us just for Wednesday, or you join us just for Monday. But every now and then, stick your, stick your toe in there, open up YouTube, Vimeo, the Tithely app, however you do it, and just put a little comment, say, hi, we're here from, that, that's just an amazing encouragement. God bless, I gotta let you go, bye.